Praise God. God is good. Well, we are in um, a series that we've been in since actually Easter. I think we started on Easter Sunday uh, called No Other Name. That's the name of Jesus. We've been kind of going through just names of God uh, in the Bible. And man, we, it's, it's hard to exhaust. There's so many ways that you could go about this. We could be on it for quite a long time. And uh, we may have one or two more weeks uh, on this. But um, how many has been enjoying uh, the series, No Other Name? You know, and we, we uh, do this, you know, when God placed it on my heart, it was really Psalms 9, 10, and we, we kind of like look at this every, every time we, we do this, but um, Psalms 9, 10 says that those who know your name will put their trust in you. And we need to trust God now like never before. We need to have our trust in Him. Uh, we put our trust in Him by having our faith exercised, you know, in, in what He's done, believing in Him adhering to him. Uh, in order to be able to trust him, you need to know him. You know, people in your life that you know, you, you trust them more because you've come to know them. And that's what God wants for us. That's why we've been kind of lingering around uh, the names of God, because God reveals himself. He reveals who he is through his names. And I don't know about you, but, you know, there's things that God has, like, highlighted in, in my life, you know, for through his names and even things to to share and how to share it with you. But as we've been going through this uh, series, just even reading in my daily time, I, I constantly coming up with different scriptures that talks about his name, you know, in your name, because of your name. You know, it's just like, wow, it's everywhere, God. Your name is everywhere. And uh, he's faithful. So today I wanted to uh, really combine, and I've, I've done this before a little bit, and there's just so many names that we could do, but I want to really take today, these next few moments, and really just highlight on two names. Uh, one of them is Jehovah, or Yahweh Nisi, which is the Lord is my banner, or my victory. And then one that I believe goes with that, and we've kind of taught on, on this before, but in a different way, combining it with uh, Jehovah Nisi is Jehovah or Yahweh Shalom, which is peace. Because it's because of his victory that he brings us peace. And we want to touch those two things today. So I kind of want to go into the first place that we see. It's the first mention of the Lord as our banner or, or Yahweh or Jehovah Nisi is found in the book of Exodus. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, the book of Exodus can be in chapter 17, and what's happening here is, just to kind of bring you into it, um, Israel is in the desert. They're on their way to the promised land. They've already come out of Egypt. The Lord has led them by a mighty hand because we serve a mighty God, so why wouldn't he have a mighty hand? Amen. Now, he's got mighty feet too, but we know he's got, he's got a mighty hand, and uh, he led them out, and he's leading them here, and uh, all of a sudden, um, Amalek, the, the people of Amalek, they're coming against the Israelites to fight them. And so you can see really in this name, as the first mention, there's a biblical principle. You've heard me say this before, but there's the principle of first mention. And, and when it's something is mentioned in the Bible for the very first time, it sets precedence over that of how that's really to be interpreted and to carry through. It kind of sets, this is the standard of this. And we see God as a banner and as a victory, and it is in a military sense that it is revealed. It is at a time of battle. How many is in a battle? You ever walk through a battle? 
Amen? There's going to be battles in life. You can't, as, as Ron Canoli, we were talking about Ron Canoli this morning. Anybody know who Ron Canoli is? Got a couple. Maybe it's a Southern thing. I don't know. <laughs> Check him up on YouTube. He's a, he's a great man of God. He's a worship leader back in the 80s. But uh, he had this song, one of the lyrics in his song, and says, there's no demilitarized zone. That means you can't get away from the battle. You're going to be in a battle. There's a battle that's going to come your way. What are we going to do with that battle when it here, right? So we see this, that Amalek begins to fight with Israel. This is where I want to pick this up at. So this is in Exodus chapter 17, verse number eight, and it says this, Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose men from us and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Now we've seen that before. The staff of God represents his authority, the authority of God that was given to Moses. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. You ever, get, you ever have to hold your hands up and they just kind of get heavy? Things in life can just get heavy. So they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus, his hands were steady until the sun set. So, Mo, so Joshua overwhelmed, or the literal translation of that is, he weakened Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now we know now the edge of our sword is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen? And the Bible says, one verse later, that Moses built an altar and named it Jehovah Nissi, meaning the Lord is my banner. He's my banner. He's my victory. He's the one who has done it. Man, I, I love just this portion of Scripture. Just so many things, you know, within this Scripture we can see Moses. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know how, if I would be able to hold my hands up all day long, you know, with, with a staff in your hand. You know, sometimes in, in military, I don't know if they still do it or not, that they, but they used to in the military. They would have the soldiers as they were going through training, and they would have to hold out their M16 fully loaded as long as they could. Kind of building some muscles. Now, M16 weighs just under nine pounds. I mean, <laughs> don't let it down. Aww. And there's a, there's a time, all of a sudden, this pain begins to happen in your arm or in your shoulder. Ah. And you begin to pull on other muscles. Nope, oh, keep that knee straight. Got to keep it out. Lucas is giving me the eyeball. He's like, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> He's in the military. So, you know, Moses couldn't do this on him. You can't fight on your own. Moses couldn't, he couldn't do this. You know, we had, he, had, he had Joshua and the army actually down there in the battle actually fighting, but the battle was really the Lord's, and as long as he held up the authority of God, Israel was prevailing. But his arm would get tired. That's what it said. It says, but our, Moses' arm was heavy. It was heavy. It was hold. So they brought in, and they sat him 
on a rock. I represent, you see stones and you see rocks in, in scripture, and you know the rock represents Jesus Christ. And that's where we are. We, we are seated in heavenly places in Christ. We find that rest and we have that body ministry to be able to help one another to, to win the battles and to continue to believe and to continue to hold God's authority in our lives up against the enemy. No, God said this and I believe it. Are you with me? We point each other. So, this happened, Israel won, Moses builds an altar, and he calls it Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. So what is a banner? The definition of a banner in the Hebrew is, it's a standard, it's a sign, a flag, or even a sail. You ever see like a, there's something about like, you know, you see a flag, uh, one of the big American flags or something, you know, you see real big, but it's almost like a sail because it's so big. Just there's something about it. It's just, when you see it, you know, here, of course, we're in this nation. Other nations may say the same for their nations, but something about it's, it's awesome to see like a small little American flag, but when you see one of those huge, majestic, just billowing in the wind, you're just like, I don't know, it almost calls freedom. I was like, freedom, found to be in America, right? You just want to... <laughs> But, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a, a standard, it's a sign, a sail, or a flag. It's considered to be a beacon. Uh, it, it means to stand, or it means to be high or conspicuous, to gleam from afar off, something that can be seen from afar off as a warning or a signal or a celebration. And, you know, Jehovah Nissi describes God as the source of unity among the brethren, as identity. You know, when he's raising his flag, he's showing unity that he's trying to bring about in the church. When you're in a battle, you've probably seen movies before, you know, there's something about when the flag goes down on the battlefield, and I don't know if they do this much anymore, you know, but in the old days, you see old movies and different things, there would be the, someone would be the flag bearer. They had the flag that we're still standing, we are still strong. And when the flag goes down, the morale of that army or the people begins to go down. But something happens, all of a sudden, up front, they see that flag being raised again, the morale begins to come again. Yes, there's still hope. There's still victory. It's a sign. It's a symbol that God places before us. It it's a, describes that unity. It describes identity, protection, and victory for God's people. That's why it's considered the Lord is my banner. You know, a couple weeks ago... Um, we were, we were praying here, a corporate prayer, little plug-in. If you, if you guys are available, anybody's available, we pray every single Wednesday from 12 noon until 1. You can come for uh, part of time. You can come all the time. You can come once a week, you know, whatever. Whatever you're available, we're here every single Wednesday from 12 um, to uh, 1 o'clock. We've been doing this for several years now. We used to do different things. This is kind of, it's hard to get everybody, you know, you got to set a time for everybody. But I do know this, that when we started this, probably four or, you know, maybe five years ago now, every single week praying, I believe we see as a church and individually, we see breakthroughs that we would not see if we wouldn't be persistent and consistent in prayer. And God reveals and he shows things. And uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, or was it, it was two weeks ago, or last week, I can't remember, actually, did I write it down? It was the 22nd, so it was last week. The 22nd, um, in prayer, no, it was two weeks ago, I'll get it right, either way. Um, we were praying, and, and I saw a flag being raised up over our area, 
I mean, it was this, this, the pole was huge. Just It was way, way up high. Remember, it means to be high and conspicuous. It's like, what the heck is that, right? It's something that stands out. And at the top was this huge, billowing red flag. And I know what that meant. It meant the blood of Jesus. And there is victory. God is shining, shining, showing forth. This is, look, look at what I have done. Because of my blood, I have given everything to you. I have made a way. I have gotten the victory for you over the enemy. And it just, something just stirred up on the inside. I mean, there were some things the Lord brought out last week concerning that as well, but uh, just that flag billowing up. And there's a scripture, it says in Psalms 64, it says, you, is talking about God, you have given a banner to those who fear you that it may be displayed because of the truth. You know, sometimes it's, it's easy to get away. God wants us to be able to see him as the banner. He is our banner. And the truth is, he's already got the victory for us. We already have the victory. That doesn't mean we don't have to walk through the battle, but we've got the victory in Jesus. You may feel that you don't, but the truth is that Jesus said, I already got you the victory. The point is we need to look at the flag. We need to look at that standard. We need to look at that symbol. We need to to look at that thing that he's flying high and his flag is not going to fall down because man didn't raise it so man can't bring it down. We can stop looking at it but it's still there and it's still flying high. Amen? And we need to be able to look at that. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, there came a time from uh, disobedience. Israel was being disobedient and, and uh, snakes, because of their disobedience, snakes came into the camp and they were poisonous snakes and they were biting some of the people of Israel and some of those people were dying. And God told Moses, he said, I want you to, to take this symbol that at the time was a, a, the symbol of the snake, whatever, you know, at, at that time, don't get caught up in all that. But the idea was just taking the snake, he put, made this bronze snake, and he, he held it up on a pole, and he says, if you look at this snake, you will be healed, this bronze snake. And it really, in, in essence, going into the New Testament, it represented Jesus being lifted up between heaven and earth and dying for our sins. If we would look at that, you would be saved. But if you don't look at it, if you get unfocused, if you start looking at your own self, your own situations, it's hard to walk in the freedom that Jesus has already bought for you. Are you with me this morning? So it says, you have given a banner to those who fear you. I believe we're in a time right now where God is bringing the church into more of a revelation of the fear of the Lord. Because there's people, even Christians, that they say that they love God, but they're still walking in sin because they're walking in ways or their lifestyle is contrary to the written word of God. And the Bible says, you know, when, when, when you have, uh, you know, someone says that they love God, I mean, anybody can say, you go on the street and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Yeah, Jesus, I love Jesus. That's great. How do you know what, when someone loves somebody? I mean, is it because they raise their hands in church, you know, different things? Well, I know that it's, it's hard to judge an affection by somebody, but you can judge when it comes to the fear of the Lord because the Bible says multiple times over and over again, those who fear the Lord will keep themselves from evil. The fear of the Lord is to turn away from evil. What's evil? I'll, t- I'll give you simple terminology for what's evil, what God says is evil, and it's in the Bible. You got to get in the Bible. You got to read. God wants us to fear him where I'm, I'm wanting to obey and please him more than I want to obey or please anyone else. 
Amen? Are you with me? There's no demilitarized zone. There's, there's a war that we're, we're fighting in. There's a battle that we, that we, that we uh, belong to, and we need to put our faith and our hope, hope and our reliance upon him. So what has God really done? And, you know, and, and I say this because sometimes I feel like we, uh, we can focus on just the everyday battles of just life in a sense, or uh, sometimes I feel like the battles, we keep them so low, just really what's within this world, and I know we're in the world, I'm trying to do my best to kind of articulate this, but we forget the main thing that he's really saved us from, which is he saved us from sin and from death. And we can get off the focus of being saved from sin and death to just, you know, and not that it's not important, you know, God helping us to pay our bills or God answering our prayers for the things, you know, here on this earth. It almost becomes a place where it's just about comfort than it is about the reality of being saved eventually when we die. Because no matter what happens in this life, no matter what happens, if we don't have him in our lives, what happens next is more than whatever happened could ever happen here. No matter how hard it is on this earth, an eternity in hell is a lot worse than having hell on earth, so to say. Are you with me? It's kind of a sobering, a sobering thought. But he saved us from sin and death. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says this, God has rescued us from the kingdom or the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ, who purchased our freedom with his blood and forgave our sins. He forgave our sins. Sometimes I feel like, you know, as Christians, we forget what it feels like to be free from sin. You can go back to that day whenever you gave your life to Jesus and uh, I read a story recently about a, about a lady that uh, her description, you know, of just, you know, what God had did in her life. Some evangelist went to her on the street and began to tell her about Jesus, and, and she gave her life to Jesus. She, she um, you know, uh, prayed to the Lord and asked him to come into her heart, and, and the evangelist said, how do you feel? And she said, I feel clean. I feel clean. That's what he does. He cleans us up because sin just darkens us. Sin makes us dirty, amen? That nature sin being wiped away. I feel clean. Or maybe you felt the love of God, such overwhelming love because you felt unloved. God came into your life. His spirit came into you and you felt the love of God or you felt such peace. There was, you didn't have peace before. This happens when Christ comes because he already defeated death, hell, and the grave for us. And the Bible says here that he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness or that authority of darkness, and he transferred us. He took us from this place of bondage, and he took us over here, and he placed us in the kingdom of light. Now, we have to choose to live in that kingdom. We can run back if we wanted to. I don't want to. I hope you don't want to. We want to stay in the kingdom of light. And there's things within that kingdom as we're walking out our, our own salvation, as the Apostle Paul would say, with fear and with trembling, there, his light begins to shine on us and it shows us dark areas of our lives. It's not to point us out. It's not to make fun of us. It's so that we can say yes to the light so the dark can go. And the Bible uses a term called sanctification for that. There's a sanctification. It's walking out your own salvation, as Paul said, with fear and with trembling, because you alone are responsible 
for how you believe or what you believe about Jesus and how you live your life before him. I'm not responsible for you. I'm responsible for what I teach you. But I'm not responsible for what you receive or how you live. I'm responsible for what I receive and how I live. And the world is crying out for people who will stand up for righteousness and integrity and the things of the Lord. Are you with me? The Bible says in, in 1 Timothy 6, 12, that we're to fight the good fight of faith. And Scripture says, take hold of eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith and take hold of eternal life. That's 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. You know, you know it's a good fight. It's not a bad fight. The bad fight is whenever you don't have Jesus. When you got Jesus, it's always a good fight. You go in, why? Because you already know you got the champion in your corner. He knows every move of any enemy that would ever come against you. And the ultimate enemy is Satan himself. And he knows, and he knows how to lead you through. So if there's no demilitarized zone and we're gonna be in a battle, we're gonna have a fight, there's a fight to fight, our face should only have two expressions in the battle. There's two expressions our face should have in the battle. One is silent submission, and the other is boastful praise. I want to talk about that for a moment. Silent submission and boastful praise. So silent submission, we see this in the children of Israel. God literally had just led them out through Moses out of Egypt. I mean, they're just fresh, you know, maybe hours from being liberated from Egypt, and they come to the place of the Red Sea is right before them, and there's kind of a mountainous thing behind them, so they're really in a, you know, between a rock and a hard place. Anybody remembers that? There's a little pun there, if you know the song, between a rock and a hard, never mind. Either way. So they they're, they're literally in this place where they're, they're surrounded, and the enemy, Egypt, is now coming against them. And they're there. And what did they do? Automatically, they begin to complain to Moses just moments, hours or whatever. After leaving Egypt, they're saying, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Did you bring us into the desert to die? And Moses said, he said, you don't need the fight in this battle. You don't need to fight. Stand and watch the salvation of God today. And look what it says in verse number 14. It says, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Why did they need to be silent? Why was it a silent submission? Because they were complaining before God. There was a complaint. They're between a rock and a hard place. At that time, there was no way. They didn't have no boats. There was no way for all these three million Israelites to begin to start swimming through the Red Sea and make it to the other side. But then they had thousands and thousands of, of, of Egyptians behind them armed to slaughter them or to bring them back into submission. And here they are. They begin to complain to God. And Moses says, listen, you don't need to fight this battle. God will fight for you as you keep silent. You know, when you're in a battle, that one place, that silent submission is to whenever you want to begin to say things that are contrary to the written word of God, it takes faith just to keep your mouth shut. Don't say it. Keep it back. Hold on to it. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. 
Give me, give me the right things to say because the Bible teaches us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And if you say it long enough, you will believe it. And when you believe what you say, you will, you will get what you speak. Are you with me this morning? So he says, you don't have to fight this battle. God will fight for you as you keep silent. And then we have that other expression of faith that God has for us I can see in Scripture, silent submission. And the other one is boastful praise. It kind of like, it's almost like a contradiction. Did you ever see that? There's just like a paradox about the kingdom of God. I mean, it's like, if you want to go up, you got to go down, right? It's just like, what are you talking about? You want to be the greatest, you've got to be the least. I mean, it's just, it's, it's that paradox, okay? You need to be quiet here, but I want you to shout praise over here. So here's a different type. It's the same thing. They're in a battle right now. This is uh, King Jehoshaphat or Jehoshaphat or however, however you say it. Um, either way, but he, he's in a battle and he had three different armies coming against him. This is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and the kind of around you get the whole story. But um, they, they begin to cry out to God. Now they're not crying out in complaint. Israel was crying in complaint to God and to Moses. So he said, I'll fight for you while you stay quiet. Now they're crying out to God for help. The king and the prophets and the, and the people of Israel, they're all before God and they're crying out together. Doesn't that sound awesome? Your nation leaders and the people of God together falling down, asking God for assistance and his help. It's still possible, guys. It's still possible because nothing's impossible with the Lord. But they begin to cry out to God. And all of a sudden, when you come to God for the right reasons, uh, it, and it wasn't just, you know, I mean, they were just like, you know, you know, save us, God. They're like, no, Lord God, save us because you are great. You are mighty. Let your name be renowned, Lord God. And they come and they're crying out. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes upon the crowd. And one of the prophets begins to stand up and says, you don't need the fight in this battle. Look what it says here in, in verse number 17. You don't need to fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. They still had to go to the battle. He was just encouraging them. You don't need to fight in this battle. Station yourselves Stand and see the salvation of God. Really stay in faith. A station for us today would be stay in faith. Keep yourself in faith of what God has already spoken to you. And stand strong. You're going to have to go out in the battle. You're going to have to face them. But you're, the Lord is with you. And the Bible says that they went out. And as they went out, the priests went before them and all the children of Israel, and they began to sing praises to God. Man, I've never seen a movie unless it was a biblical movie like, you know, around this story where people will begin to go out to the battlefield and begin to sing their way out there. I mean, they didn't take weapons of war, although they had weapons of war because the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty. They're the pulling down of strongholds. It's our words speaking God's words. It's us out of our mouths speaking God's word into the atmosphere. Are you with me today? Come on, I'm feeding you this morning. These are, these are, this is good stuff. So being that, that boastful praise. So he says, he says, they went out and they began to sing unto the Lord. This is what they said. Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord 
for his loving kindness is everlasting. Now, I don't know what that sound like. I remember an old song from Don Potter. I don't know if anybody knows who Don, Don Potter is. His loving kindness is everlasting. And, in they, and they, there's a, even in Psalms, there's one part where just they're singing that phrase, and then they say what God did. His loving kindness, and then they say what he did. Oh, he killed this king and all their army. And did he brought water from the rock for us. His loving kindness, he's there for us. And they began to shout and celebrate. And the Bible says the moment that they began singing and praising the Lord that God set ambushments for the enemy. And when they got to the battlefield with these three different kings and their three different armies, they found all they found was all the slaughtered laying there because God, he really put confusion in the camp and they came in and the Bible says uh, they were all dead when they got there. And they're just like, really? We, we thought we were praising the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. It's already, woo. And it took them three days to take away the spoil. Three days to take away the spoil. They probably just kept on singing that over and over. God, you're faithful. This is a boastful praise. The Bible says in Psalms 25, we will sing for joy over your victory. Over your victory, Lord. We will sing for joy over your victory, your your salvation, your deeds of deliverance. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. I want to tell you what your banner is. You know, the Lord is your banner, but he gives us banner. He talked about he gives us banners to those who fear him. When I saw that flag pulling that big red uh, billowing flag representing Christ's blood, I also saw a small white flag underneath it. That white flag is ours. In, in battle, when you do a white flag, it's a sign of surrender. Surrender. I surrender. Our flag is in surrendering to his flag. You think about the battlefield, there it is, you know, the battle's way up there. All of a sudden, his flag goes up, and he's saying, I have gotten us the victory. And we surrender to your victory, because your victory, God, is our victory. You know, Moses held the staff of God in his hand, and as he held it up, Israel was defeating Amalek, but his arms got tired. But here comes, here comes Aaron and Hur, and they hold up the arms of Moses, where, where he could, I'm sure he probably used his strength, but at times he rested on their strength. You know why? Because Moses' victory was God's victory, and Moses' victory was Aaron and Hur's victory, and Moses' victory was still the Israelites' victory. We need each other. Point in times of battle, this is where we, we really need each other to be able to point things out to us as if we get into a time of complaint, we can say, hey, maybe we shouldn't talk about that. We should keep that silent and begin to talk about the things that God has already done. And no matter how long I've served the Lord now, since 1995, really, you know, being sold out to him and continuing to stay sold out to him, uh, it still comes back to this. Some of my greatest breakthroughs I have ever had, I'd say the majority of them were times whenever I, in in, in spite of adversity and things that were coming against, no matter if it was spiritual, physical, mental, whatever it would be, when I would begin to recount to myself all the things that God has done, really saying the victory that he has already won for me, I began to receive strength, no matter how weak I felt. 
reminding myself, no, you are my salvation. You are my deliverer. You are my healer. You are my banner, God. What would change in your life and things that you're walking through right now if you would just begin to look back and say, wait a second, Jesus has already done this. Actually, he said it on the cross. It is finished. He fulfilled everything he's ever going to do for us. It's already been completed. It's already been made available, but we have to tap into it. Are you with me? We will sing. That sing actually means, in the, in the Hebrew, it means to bluster. Remember anybody ever bluster? It means to bluster, or here, here's it, which means a loud and aggressive cry. To bluster is a loud, we will sing with a loud and aggressive cry over your victory. And there's another word in there. I had, to, I had to like pronunciate this out because it was braggadocio, braggadocio, which is kind of where we, in the English, we get our word brag from. It is a boastful or arrogant behavior. Now, it's not arrogant towards other people in a sense of like, look at me, you know, that's bragging in a bad sense. Because God said in Jeremiah, if you want to write it down, you can write it down. We won't have it up there. But in Jeremiah 9, he says, don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom. Don't let the strong man boast in his strength. But he who boasts, let him boast in this, that he knows me, the one who does not fail. Let, let him boast that he knows me. This is our singing, we, that, we, that we know him. We know and understand that he is the one who is guiding us the victory. And what's that victory? It's against sin and death. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just a few verses earlier, he's telling us what it is. He, there was a boast that was going on. He says in, in that end time, when Christ returns, the sting is going to come about that's going to be true. He's going to say, oh, death, where is your sting? Where's your power? Where is it? Oh, sin, where's your sting? Oh, death, you know, where, where's that power? He has given us victory over sin and death. And this leads us into um, the Lord Jehovah or Jehovah Shammah or Yahweh Shammah, which is the Lord is peace. And I just want to illustrate one thing as I close with this, is that when we see this come about in, in the Old Testament, it's, it's in the story of Gideon, and Gideon, again, is in a place of battle. Peace, if you see this, there's, I believe it's in Romans, towards the end of the book of Romans, uh, it says, soon, you know, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So peace is also kind of a, it's a militant thing. It's not just like, oh, there's peace, you know. Like it, it's an aggressive force because the God of peace will crush Satan. His peace crushes out everything that opposes it. And Gideon is, a, is in a time right now where um, we've taught on Gideon before, but he's in a time where he's, uh, his, all of his people are really being uh, harassed and oppressed heavily by the Midianites to the place where they would raise crops. And when it came time for the harvest, the Midianites would come and just steal their harvest and leave them nothing. And they would just be hungry. And Gideon was in the wine, he was in a wine press that was meant to press wine. And he's, he's down there threshing wheat, trying to hide from the Midianites because he wanted to eat. You do crazy things when you want want to eat, right? He wanted to eat. And the angel of the Lord came to him. 
And I won't go into the whole story, but he's just like, hey, valiant man of God. And Gideon's like, what are you talking about valiant? You know, he says, the Lord is with you. Well, if he's really with us, why are we going through these things? And God begins to tell him that he wants to use him to deliver the people of Israel. And the Bible says here, uh, when he realized, he says, you know, if you really are from the Lord, he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and uh, get, a, get a sacrifice. I'm going to bring it back. And, and, and if it's you, let me serve you. So he did. And the angel he took his staff. He said, lay, lay, your, lay your meat that you got there and your drink just poured on the rock. And he laid his staff on the rock and everything just was consumed and went up in smoke. And then Gideon got scared now. He got, he got freaked out because he's like, I've seen the angel of the Lord. Now, there's all different types of angelic, you know, that God would send different angels to visit people. But when it came to the angel of the Lord, it was kind of a, a Christophany is what the biblical term would be using. It, it was Christ himself coming in that time, in that form to those people. The angel of the Lord was the only one that would ever receive sacrifices or, or allow other people to worship him because it was God himself coming. And he, he was there and he freaked out. And this is what it says. When Gideon saw that, it, that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, alas, O Lord. I mean, it wasn't really like alas, it was like alas. He's freaking out, right? O Lord, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. Because it was a known fact through Moses, God told Moses, no man can see my face and live. This was placed in the people of Israel so strong. If you see the angel of the Lord, you're going to die, right? Well, here it is. He's seen the angel of the Lord. And there were other times, different times when, when the angel came and people kind of freaked out the same way. But this is where he comes in and he sees the Lord as Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. And God spoke back to him automatically. He's like, I'm going to die. I've seen the angel of the Lord. And the Lord said to him, you will not die. Don't fear, uh, peace to you. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, and he named it Jehovah Shalom, which is the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom reveals God as who graciously grants restored relationship with humanity and protection from an unotherwise unavoidable death. Without peace with God through Jesus Christ, Every single one of us would have an unavoidable death to contend with that we would not be able to win. That is not just death of a physical body, but it's called eternal death. It's living in a state in our fallen humanity in a place that the Bible says is, you know, that burns with fire and brimstone forever and ever. God don't want anyone to go there. He doesn't want anyone to go there. The Bible says, actually, hell was created for the devil and his angels. But when we choose not to believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we receive that same punishment that they did when they rebelled against God in heaven and were cast out. But Jesus took the punishment for us so that we could have peace with God. These are some awesome victories. Jehovah Nisi, my banner, he's the one who got me the victory. Because of his victory, I am able to have peace. It says in Titus that salvation has appeared to all men, or all, all people, really, men, men, women, not just men and gender-wise, has, has came to every single person to be able to receive that to themselves. The Bible says in Romans 5.1, having been justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.14 says, Christ himself is our peace. Colossians 3.15 encourages us to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. I'm telling you, man, God wants us to know him more because we walk through battles in life and, and, and in reality, you know, we're in dark days now. There's going to be darker times that are coming, but it don't have to be dark for us. And we don't want it to be dark for anybody else either. We want to be able to have the light, to be able to be the light, and to be able to shine that light on other people so they can experience the goodness of God. They can experience the peace of God so they can get victory over the thing that we've gotten victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.